evidence and answers. Tune to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucaran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the arena of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Each year, Pat hosts an apologetics conference located in beautiful Hawaii. Today, we are continuing our broadcasts with a great teaching from our host, Pat. He is sharing a message entitled, The Transgender Debate, taken from the 2018 Evidence and Answers Apologetics Conference. If you're unable to hear this entire broadcast, all of our messages are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Here's our host, Pat, with part one of a fascinating message entitled, The Transgender Debate. You know, America today, we're in the midst of what has been called a transgender moment. You know, not long ago, most of us had never heard of transgender identity, but just a few years ago, it became a major cause of civil rights. How many of you know or are friends with someone in the transgender community? Yeah. Hey, about 10, 20 years ago, probably two or three hands would have gone up. And today, it's become a major civil rights issue, and any failure to accept or support transgender identity amounts to bigotry or racism and we are told that not treating people as the gender that they claim to be is racial discrimination now marriage is the foundation okay, of any culture or society it is the oldest institution and it's not created by man it's created by God alright now you mess with that you mess with the very fabric and foundation of your culture or your society and there's no society that has stood when they redefined marriage okay it's the basic institution of any culture or society you mess with that your culture will not stand because it's God's institution created by him not by man now when we change the definition of marriage okay Today, we cannot define marriage. We're having a tough time trying to define what marriage is. I was running around the country saying, when we can no longer define the oldest institution in the history of mankind, we're in huge, huge trouble. And I said, this is the worst it's going to get. I was wrong. Okay? I was wrong. Now we can no longer define what is a man and what is a woman. And that's the very image of God. So with marriage, you mess with God's institution. With the gender issue, you're messing with the very image of God. Is it going to get worse? Well, <laughs> I'm not going to answer that one now. I was wrong last time. Who knows? So redefining marriage, you're messing with God's institution. The transgender issue is attack on the image of God. And isn't that what Satan seeks to destroy? God's institution and God's image. That's why this is a very key issue that we come to understand and address with truth and with integrity. Now, on this issue, there are several key terms you need to understand. First, sex. Sex is your biological makeup. Or to put it in a more raw way, sex is what's between your legs. That's your biological makeup. Gender is defined according to the American Psychological Association. Gen gender refers to attitudes, feelings, and behaviors that a given culture associates 
with a person's biological sex. Behavior that is compatible with cultural expectations is referred to as gender normative behaviors that are viewed as incompatible with these expectations constitute gender nonconformity. All right. In every culture, sex is tied together with gender. Gender is the appropriate cultural expression of your sex. Okay? The two go together. Today, we have separated the two. That is what has changed. Gender is no longer attached to sex. So you can be sex male, but gender female. So for the first time, we're separating gender and sex. Now the next term, gender identity. Gender identity is a person's self-perception of whether they are male or female, masculine or feminine. The American Psychological Association defines gender identity as a person's internal sense of being male or female or something else. Okay? In some countries or states, there are up to, I hear, 15 gender selections that you can pick from. Okay? So, to put it simply, sex is what's between your legs, gender is what's in your mind. So biologically, I can be male, but gender, I can be identifying as a female. All right, that's the distinction we have made today. Gender is what's up here. Bi biology is your, I mean, sex is your biological makeup here. Gender dysphoria. When someone experiences distress, oh, gender identity. It's a person's self-perception, whether they are male or female, masculine or feminine. All right, so the question today is no longer what's your sex, it's what's your gender identity. Now, gender dysphoria is when someone experiences distress, inner anguish, or discomfort from sensing a conflict between their gender identity and their biological sex. Okay, that person is experiencing what we call gender dysphoria. It's a mismatch between the gender and their biological sex, okay, and the gender that they feel themselves to be. So people with gender dysphoria feel that their body is lying to them and believe they would be more at peace and happier if they could become the gender of the opposite sex. Okay? And there is a range of gender dysphoria from mild to severe okay? and everything in between. So people who identify as transgender report higher rates of gender dysphoria, extreme stress, more mental health problems than the rest of the general population especially high rates of depression, suicide, and thoughts of suicide. Transgender. Transgender is an umbrella term for the state or condition of identifying or expressing a gender identity that does not match a person's sex. It's when someone has gender dysphoria and then acts out on it, begins the process or has completed the process of physically trying to change their gender. That's transgender. How common is transgenderism? Well, the exact numbers are quite difficult to nail down, but the University of California, the Williams Institute there, estimates 0.3% of the U.S. population to be transgender. That's about 700,000 people. And as society becomes more accepting of this, and as more people begin to report gender dysphoria, 
or identifying as transgender, this number will likely increase. Now, how did we get here? You know, transgender, we understood to be some kind of psychological disorder. Now it's a major civil rights issue at the forefront okay, of the battle today. How did we end up getting here? Well, the battle really came to the forefront just a few years ago. In 2015, Bruce Jenner, the great decathlete, okay, many of us were there to watch him there in the Olympic Games, the model of male masculinity, began to reveal openly his struggle with his gender. And later, in 2015, he transformed and became Caitlyn Jenner and ended up on the cover of Time and Vogue and many other magazines. And the message to the world became clear. Men can become women if they feel or perceive themselves to be women, okay, and vice versa, all right? And this event catapulted the transgender topic from an obscure topic to one of the most fashionable issues of social justice today. Shortly after, the Supreme Court redefined marriage and transgender advocates jumped on the bandwagon and the transgender issue became a civil rights issue. And the Obama administration redefined sex now to mean gender identity in our nation's civil rights laws. And then imposed these gender identity policies on schools and healthcare providers. And now the transgender cause has officially gone mainstream. All right, so that's how it kind of catapulted into the forefront of today. However, the seeds of this have been building for quite some time. The ideologies of our day contributed okay, to us going down this road. First, for a long time now, we have been in a post-Christian culture. The church is losing influence as we talked about last night and different moral systems are replacing the judeo-christian ethic upon which our nation was founded christianity is viewed now not only as irrelevant but bigoted and dangerous because it's an intolerant quote intolerant religion all right that persecutes supposedly quote persecutes those who don't agree with it and the most influential sectors of our culture today the academia media entertainment art law they're increasingly no longer influenced by the christian judeo moral values those who occupy those positions of power and prestige in most cases are not Christian nor are they sympathetic to Christian views second what Greg talked about on this morning relativism okay? there is no absolute truth at one time we thought truth was out here and we discover it and we conform to the truth okay that we discover that all changed okay with Immanuel Kant and Descartes and moved down to Nietzsche and truth now is what's in here. It's what I create. Okay, I don't discover truth and conform to it. I create it. And the outside conforms to the truth I create in my mind. 
That's where modern philosophy since Kant has gone wrong. All right? And that's why when you take a lot of your philosophy 101 classes, you see a lot of young people getting really confused. Okay? But if truth is not rooted in God, if truth is created in here, then there is no absolute truth. We all create our truth, or every culture defines their own truth, or the strongest and most powerful will then impose the definition of truth on a culture. Okay, so there's no absolute truth. Okay, if there is no God, we are not omnipotent, all-knowing, omniscient, eternal, all-wise. So if truth is not rooted in God, truth is rooted in man. Well, we're not all-knowing, all-seeing, eternal, all-wise. Therefore, truth is going to be relative. No absolute truth. Okay, that leads to moral relativism then. There is no universal moral law that governs all of mankind. We create our own moral law. Uh, Greg spoke on this morning. If truth is like ice cream, I choose or create my truth, then I create my own morality. That led to the new tolerance. Traditional tolerance said, you and I disagree. I think you're wrong, you think I'm wrong, and I'm going to do everything I can to persuade you to my position because I think I'm correct. I'm sure you'll do the same on your side and we'll see through discussion and dialogue, presenting of the facts, who's got the best, most reasonable argument here that's pointing to the truth. Okay, but I will not throw you in jail or persecute you because of that. But we disagree, that's why we practice tolerance. The new tolerance says, because there's no such thing as absolute truth, everybody's right. All values, beliefs, and lifestyles are equally valid and true. And it is wrong to say a particular belief or lifestyle is wrong, harmful, or sinful. That is intolerance. Okay, and that's the worst thing you can be in our culture today. That's the new tolerance. It's a very dangerous definition. If you tolerate anything, you'll fall for anything. Any culture that accepts that ideology or any of these ideologies really is drinking its own poison. Then we have radical individualism. Now, all forms of individualism are not bad. The government protects our individual rights and that's good. But radical individualism is harmful. Now, what an individual wills or wants is the highest good. And it is wrong to tell someone that his or her choices or beliefs may be wrong or immoral. So an emphasis on the individual, bearing individual rights have given rise to an understanding of the individual that is liberated from all forms, morality, and duties to the society around them. The greatest sin now is judging someone else. Okay? In previous generations, we always thought about what's best for the family or the society or the group or the community we're in. Now it's all about me and whatever I want, I should be able to do whenever, however I want and no one should have the right to tell me otherwise. Then we have the sexual revolution in the 60s that gave rise to the slogan, if it feels good, do it. If you feel it, it must be right. If the urge is there, then it's right. 
We should not inhibit ourselves when we feel those urges. And the entertainment industry teaches that sexual freedom is the highest standard of personal fulfillment. And with the invention of contraception and abortion, sex outside of marriage okay, no longer seems to be taboo. And when I'm on the radio, how many phone calls do I get saying, you're completely outdated, you're Victorian, wake up, get into the modern age, okay? We're living in the 2000s now, get out of the 1700s. So with the sexual revolution, there was a radical decline in marriage rate, a huge rise in the divorce rate, you see the birth rate going down, and as you know, that is cataclysmic for any society or culture. When your birth rate gets below two and a half children per couple, then you cannot support okay, the aging group that's retiring and support the industry that is there. You have to import your workers, like in Europe, because of their tremendous shortage. Some of those countries have the most liberal abortion, gay marriage, and cohabitation laws in the world. Their marriage rates are down to 1.4, so they got to import all their workers. And where are they coming from? The Islamic countries of the Middle East. That's why Europe is run over by the Middle East. Europe is pretty much gone. And they are shouting across the Atlantic, don't follow in our steps, don't follow in our steps. And we're not listening. And we're going right down their path. What's saving us from being overrun by Islam is Mexico. And Mexicans are Catholics, so they don't have birth control. That's how we can continue our pop, but our population rate is decreasing too. Look at Japan, their population growth is way down, their birth rate is going way down. Then we have radical feminism, okay? The first wave of feminism, there were many good things about it. Campaign to liberate women from an overly restrictive concept, gender, so they could be free to vote and have other rights, but it gave way to a movement seeking to make women identical to men. As a result, you know, we're creatures of extremes, right? We swung too far in the other direction, denying any importance between male and female. Now, with radical feminism began saying, whatever a man can do, a woman can do. Hey, men and women are the same thing. We've lost that gender distinction. Hey, and the result is, uh, culture of androgyny and confusion. You know, the whole movement in radical feminism, uh, when it comes to combat infantry, it should be 50% men, 50% women. They're the same. They can do the same thing. The SEALs, special elite force, should be 50% men, 50% women. Special ops, 50% men, 50% women. They can all do the same thing. Okay, there's no difference there. That's radical feminism. That wants to break down the distinctions between men and women. And these ideas have infiltrated the church. I was speaking at a denominational conference in Northern California of a major church denomination. And I was speaking to the young people and I just mentioned in a sermon, I just said, you know, wherever Christianity has gone in the world, it has liberated and exalted the status of women all over the world. Okay, and they all objected. They said, no, Christianity is the oppressor of women. Look, wives, submit to your husbands. I do not allow a woman to talk in church, I mean, teach or exercise authority over men. It, it's the great oppressor of women. And I said, no, no. And, and I was trying to explain those passages. I said, 
men and women are different. They complement one another. Okay, that's how God designed them. He created women to be a helpmate to men. They complement. They're equal in nature, but they complement one another. Okay, and they completely disagreed. All right, and the next day they had me, I had to stand in front of the, the pastors to see whether they want to keep me as a speaker or not. That was just the first session. Okay, and they said, we want to know your position on men and women. And I said, well, they're equal but different. And they said, we all disagree. And I said, well, okay, j just look at you physically. Don't you look different, a man and a woman? And they, they all said, this is a major church now. They said, no. And I said, okay, okay, let's take off your clothes. Would a man and a woman look different? Hey, this is hundreds of Christian college students. They all said no. And I said, okay, everything from brain structure to physique, men and women are different. They said no. And I said, okay, you guys aren't being honest with me. If you're not going to be honest with me, I can't continue the discussion here. All right, can't you see a man and a woman is different? They said, no way. They said, you are bigoted and you're a racist. And I don't know if we want you to be our speaker here for our denomination. These ideologies have crept in to our church. Talk to your young people. You might be surprised at how they view men and women and the, if there is a gender distinction. That was a terrible conference, by the way. Worst conference I ever spoke at. Yeah. So today, there's two unforgivable sins in the postmodern, post-Christian times we are in. First is to judge someone else, okay, whether their values or beliefs are right or wrong, moral or immoral, good or bad, harmful or healthy. The second is to fulfill, to fail to fulfill your desires. And this whole ideology is changing the medical practice. Okay? Those of uh, you in the, in the medical field out here know how it's changing the medical practice. Ryan Anderson, and, and this is a great book, When Harry Became Sally. That's a great book. I don't think he's a, a Christian, but it's a very great book, and I quote from it quite a bit. He says this, a postmodern worldview is changing medicine from a profession that restores health and wholeness into a set of techniques to provide customers with what they desire. It is eroding the very foundation of objectively sound medical practice. Without any fixed position on what is given in human nature, any manipulation of it can be defended as legitimate. Okay, so it is changing our medical practice. He also states, policymakers and the media are doing no favors either to the public or the transgender by treating their confusions as a right in need of defending rather than as a mental disorder that deserves understanding, treatment, and prevention. Now, key argument you hear is, hey, this is my body, I can do with it whatever I want, and it doesn't affect anyone else. You shouldn't be bothering in my business. This is, you know, same thing with the abortion debate and others, right? It's my body, I do with it what I want, it doesn't affect anyone else. How does me changing my anatomy, changing my gender affect anyone else? Well, just like the abortion, just like gay marriage, it's got tremendous ramifications to, to everyone else and the culture, not only to the individual and the families involved and the friends, but also there's key issues regarding public policy, several areas of concern surrounding this issue. First, privacy interests. When men who identify as women can now enter into female-only 
spaces. Okay, so if a man identifies as a woman, he can go into the woman's locker room now, all right? The women's showers and all that. If he identifies as a woman, you can no longer discriminate against them. So that involves safety concerns when predators abuse gender identity okay, to access these arenas. Once again, our time has come to a close. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold a conference, please give him a call. Locally, that number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers relies on generous support from you, our listeners. To keep this broadcast on the air, you have the opportunity to donate. Head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. And you may do so right there online on the homepage. We have a wide variety of resources available to you. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with your family, your friends, and your church. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. Evidence and Answers.